Hello and welcome everybody to episode number 63 of the audio podcast with the boys, Jason and Alex Von Cannell. Now, just brief warning at the beginning of this one, we both seem a little bit low energy today. Yeah, because we're doing it in the middle of the day. We usually do it first thing on a Saturday morning. Yeah, but due to unforeseen circumstances, we've had to come up in the middle of the day. So uh, we are a little bit low energy. I'm sure we'll perk up as we go. Which is funny because usually we come with no breakfast. We're, we're running on two black coffees by this, mm. by this point in time, yeah. water only. I've been out for breakfast this morning with Tasha and mm-hmm. went for a motorbike ride and... Yeah, usually I'd probably have a nap after this. Yeah, I actually, <laughs> I actually had the best sleep last night that I've had all week and I feel way worse than the rest of the week. Yeah, I think it's you're just thinking about how good it was. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, true. Like, I just want to be back in there, yeah, back yeah. in that nice, warm feeling, you know? So, so we have some things that we want to talk about today, mm-hmm. some pretty interesting things, some mm-hmm. pretty heavy stuff as well. Yeah. But I do want to start just quickly with a bit of a... Before you do, just to mention, just for those of you who may want to stick around some of the subjects we're going to be talking about today before you get started on the first one is there's again there's been a lot that's happened this week uh number one thing was the ruling yesterday afternoon of the kassam versus uh, hazard. hazard case in new south wales so we'll sort of go through what the the ruling was and what that what makes some assumptions as to what comes next uh there's been a lot that's come out of the victorian ibac hearings this week as well which we'll sort of get into. And uh, there was one other thing too that I wanted to... Sp- oh, also in Victoria, the uh, recent legislation change that's affecting Parliament and yeah, people's ability to attend Parliament to vote. So we'll, we'll go into those things a little bit later on. But I thought we'd give you a quick update on Bitcoin, which mm. I've not done for a long time. No, you haven't. So Bitcoin, uh, as it stands right now, is at 61,000 US. Mm-hmm. It's about eighty five thousand dollars. Yeah, it's like four thousand dollars off its all time high. Mm-hmm. So don't buy. <laughs> talk. There's talk that it'll. Like, I think it'll blow past a hundred thousand mm-hmm. Australian easily, mm-hmm. easily, easily. But there seems to be like a real large amount of momentum, mm-hmm. and also the SEC in America has just approved a few a uh, ETF, an ETF, a Bitcoin yeah, ETF. That. Now, just quick, I don't want to nerd out about it. I don't like the ETF. Mm-hmm. To me, the ETF is designed for boomers who don't trust Bitcoin, that want to make money out of Bitcoin, but never actually own any Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's great that they're talking about it. Yes, it helps the price of Bitcoin in a little way, yeah. but it kind of defeats the purpose. It's just like standing on the sideline betting on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas it, it, it kind of goes against the fundamentals of what Bitcoin's about. Mm-hmm. But it's... It's going very well. My portfolio, I keep like just when I open it up, I was like, "Damn!" <laughs> and I was talking to someone in the gym the other day. It's like, "Oh no, I'm 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 adverse to it. Like, it, I'm I don't know enough about it, and mm. I'm I, I'm risk averse. I'm risk averse." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Well, what investments do you have?" And he goes, "Oh, I've got multiple properties." I'm like, mm. so you're leverage yeah. trading? Yeah, that's right. You ain't risk averse. Yeah, mate. you're not. You're, you're yeah. as far from risk averse as as. Um, as they come and mm. it was funny because I think it kind of ticked in his mind a little bit that he might might have a look but mm-hmm. yeah don't buy it <laughs> <laughs> okay so what we want to talk about today because I know we touched on it really quickly mm. last time and we have spoken about this subject before but I think it's never more important than right now yeah definitely which is some of the mental health stuff mm. I know I've got a lot of friends at the at the minute that are struggling with various 
things in life. I think we all do. Yeah. yeah. And then when I speak to some other people that don't have like issues, they know someone that's going through mm. a rough time as well. Mm-hmm. I know we had the Are You Okay Day. To be fair, I'm not. I I don't really get caught up in. I don't think it's that effective. I don't think any of these days are. I, are yeah, effective. I I'm not a big fan of all the days because then it's just like it's one day. It comes. Everyone pretends they give a shit, and then it rolls on to the next. Yeah. The next day, like yeah. what? What's the next thing? Yeah. Then it's National to... Donut Day is the next day or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't really get caught up in that. But hmm. what? What we have found, and and you actually spurred a lot of this on with with your uh, Instagram running. Hmm. I know has motivated some of the people in my network hmm. to the point where they've started doing things. Yeah. And literally before we got here today, I'll, uh, someone rang me. And has not he's not a he listens to the odd show but he mm-hmm. ha, he, he's not a he's not avid but he's seen your your social media stuff so he started running last week mm-hmm. and he's on his like sixth run now mm-hmm. and he said it has given him a clarity that he can't remember how long it's been since he's had that kind of clarity wow he's made a life decision he's moving house because he was not happy with the arrangement that he had but this actually gave him the idea to think about it wow reduce the amount of alcohol just yeah. as a byproduct of okay oh. yeah that's that's one of the biggest things i've noticed yeah. since i've been really getting into this he said he sleep, sleeps properly now mm. he, he says he hasn't been sleeping properly he'll be at in bed but not asleep yeah at 10 o'clock at night watching videos on his phone trying to turn his brain off yeah yeah and He's now like he's he's now basically getting a lot of the benefits from at Clear Mind. Mm. And the other thing I said to him too is that has this real steamroller effect. Oh yeah. So that's the one step, right? Lace up your shoes, mm-hmm. get out and run. Just start doing something, right? And then there's these other things that start to cascade, mm. and you're going to find even more clarity, and you're going to have more clarity about other things in life as well. Yeah. Because something I wanted to to make note of. So all, all my friends that are struggling, there is a common denominator. Mm-hmm. And the common denominator is they're not facing up to it. Yeah. And they're not doing the things that they know will help them. Yeah. It's like having read the textbook, you've got all the theory behind it, mm-hmm. but unless you put that theory into practice, it's irrelevant. Yeah. Right? And... I wanted to kind of discuss how important it is to to making that first step of doing the constructive thing mm. as opposed to doing the destructive things that come so easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting, right? So, so for me, um, my my negativity in my life really started obviously years ago when I did my knee, and it's continued on, and it, a lot of my mental state is tied to how my body actually feels Mm. and funnily enough when you talk about inspiration uh i got inspired to start this running thing by liam because liam called me a bitch when i said on the podcast that i was slowing down on the exercise because of amanda being pregnant and me not sleeping well and being sick all the time and and whatever and liam called me a bitch and that that sort of stuff motivates me yeah right and Thanks, Liam, for calling me a bitch because yeah. I feel fantastic right now. And now everyone um, receives motivation of course, in everyone, different ways. Yeah, exactly right. So uh, I've we grew up in a household where a lot of language was used that wasn't aggressive. It was just a, you know, it was a, a, a way of speaking. Sure. Uh, so for us, words don't hurt. 
yeah. you know, and um, and I think that that's a whole nother conversation. But anyway, so he he inspired me to really get started. And you're right, it starts a a snowballing effect of mm. different small subtle changes that you make, whether you're even mindful of them or not. So I think some of them are forced because of it. And the drinking yeah. thing is a isn't. Is so you get this massive double benefit, right? You do some physical activity. Yep. When you get back, your body does not crave a whiskey. That's right. Your body craves water. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you give it water and yeah. you don't give it the whiskey, mm-hmm. and now you've got this twofold effect. Not, be, and your brain might be saying, "Oh, usually my routine says that I'd have one of these now," but mm. when your body's there, going, "No, no, 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 water, water, water." That's water. right. And like for me, so I'm, I'm, I know my days get really hectic, and a lot of it is dependent on what Nate's doing and whether Nate sleeps or not and all that sort of stuff. So I've, I know for me, if I want to run, it's in the morning. So I get up, uh, Amanda takes care of Nate before she goes to work and I go for a run. Mm. So it's not just when I get back that I don't feel like eating garbage food for breakfast or I don't feel like, you know, drinking something bad or whatever. It's even the night before. The night before that, I'm like, well, I'm not going to have drinks tonight because yeah. I don't want to feel like garbage in the morning when I go for my run. So it starts this this snowball that gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I just, I've just remembered this week too. We've, we haven't done our, our body scans yet. So I need to book myself in to get another scan yeah, done. Month. Uh, oh, end, is it in the month? End of the month. Cool. So it'll be interesting to see how, how that's gone. But I, what I, what I have found personally is that just doing the running thing has probably forced me to make more positive change in my life than when I was just lifting weights before, because it's, it's harder to do under duress than mm. lifting weights. In my like for me, in my opinion. Well, hold on, you got you got three benefits of of the physical activity part. So I don't want to get just stuck on on yeah, yeah, yeah on it's physical, not just but, about physical stuff. But when like when you stretch yourself physically and you make some better diet choices, but you mm-hmm. are going to sleep better. Mm-hmm. Are there any like besides those three pillars? Is there anything else that you really need to be to thrive? Not really, but yeah. the other thing too is especially about running running sucks like running's hard uh if you haven't run in a long time which i i was never a road runner like i i I always hated just running and if i did it it was because i was chasing a ball playing a sport and that was interesting to me but i never used to go for runs Mm. never not once in my life because i hated it and one of the reasons why i didn't enjoy it i think is because it's just you out there and you're the only one who gets to hold yourself accountable and you know if you've stopped and yeah. you know if you feel like you've bitched out because yeah. you haven't stopped because you're exhausted. You've stopped because mentally you're like, yeah, that'll do. Yeah. You know, you know. So it's not just the physical stuff that it gives you. It, it teaches you mental resilience at the same time. Well, that okay. So that leads into the next part uh, of... And physical activity... It's kind of in line with it, but it's very much on the on the mental side, which is people's minds are their primary limitation mm-hmm. in life. Mm. In life, mm-hmm. and one of the experiences I had during the week was a friend of mine who had a very obvious problem in front of them with an extremely obvious solution. Mm. Yet they're not going to do it. Yeah, and and it's. Yes, it puts them out of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. But it puts them out of their comfort zone once to have everything sorted out and everything looking absolutely up. Yeah. Like a 100% return mm. on a little bit of effort. 
but his his mentality is no, it's going to go bad. So the best thing I can do is just curl up into a ball and just stick my head in the sand and pretend it's not. And not going to happen. Well, but 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 freely admits that he'll have the shits with it forever. So yeah. so instead of putting the little bit of effort outside the comfort zone, it's going to go to the point where he's going to let that moment mm. hurt him long term. Yeah. Without addressing it. Yeah. Same could be said when you are in the gym, you know, that, that next weight that you're going to go up mm. is often very mental. I did I talk about the deadlifting in, in here before? My yeah. Story. For those who haven't heard of it really, really quickly, years and years ago when we went to the gym, there was three of us that went to the gym and we started doing deadlifts and we got to 100 kilos and Jason could lift it fine, my other mate could lift it fine. I couldn't get off the ground. It was yeah. like it was welded to the ground. It was just a mental block. Yeah. Then they, I just said, just pick it up for me. They picked it up off the ground. And then I just I did the rest of the the mm. set like it like and it was easy yeah and it was purely mental mm. purely mental so that lesson I've kept in my back pocket now I mm. don't limit myself at all yeah on track when when I race cars I get pretty close to my best time no matter what car I go into mm. because I'm not. I, I don't set myself the limitations. You don't get into a car going, oh, I've never driven this car around this track before, so I'm probably not going to go as well as I normally do. Yeah. And then you're like, you're, you're, number one, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, but number two, you're making excuses before you even start. That's the big thing. Yeah. That's the biggest part, right? It's easy in yourself, in that internal dialogue that you have, mm-hmm. the easiest thing in the world is to make up an excuse. Yeah. We are so smart. And it's even better if you do it before you've even started. Absolutely. Like we can all make up excuses after we've failed. Yep. But it's so much so much better when you've made the excuse up before you've even done anything. Yeah. And then it happens. You go, oh yeah, see, look, I, I told you that was going to happen. Do you know this weird thing I read? This is in line with what we're talking about. But mm. I used to have recurring dreams where I was being chased. Right. And they'd never catch me. But in my dreams, I would never stop running. Mm-hmm. And I was exhausted. I'd wake up and was exhausted. Mm. And I was reading through... And a lot of the psychology around it says that you've got an unresolved issue. Mm-hmm. And what you need to do is face up to those things yeah, and resolve, resolve it. the issue. And it was something that was going on at work, yeah. which I then addressed. And then in the dream, I was chased again. And in, in, instead of running, I turned around and walked into it, disappeared, gone. Wow. Yeah, okay. That's well, is that on. is that not the the perfect sort of analogy for what life is all about. Yeah. You were going to get thrown these things all the time, hmm. but throw yourself at it. Yeah. Because you're going to figure it out. We are all smart. Nothing will hurt us. Nothing will... Uh, uh, when you're not winning, you're learning, mm-hmm. right? So there's always a positive to be taken. You might have you might have to do something that you absolutely hate and it goes against every fibre of your being, but just know that on the other side of that, the, the grass is green, the mm. birds are chirping, the sun is shining, and yeah. you've now become stronger than you've and ever been before. The, the thing, like, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but it's something that um, I think is so important and so often overlooked is uh, your ability to handle stress is just like lifting weights. And if you've never experienced any form of stress before, your ability to handle stress when it's thrust upon you yeah. is far lower than someone who is experienced in handling mm. stress. And stre- everyone demonizes stress because stress, perpetual stress is not good for you. No. And I think 
it is not a coincidence that we are surrounded with many people who are going through very bad mental issues at the moment because on top of all of their existing issues, you've now had the COVID situation yeah. putting people in perpetual states of fear and stress for almost two years straight, Yeah, right? And as we've mentioned on the pod before, and for those of you guys who may not have heard it, um, your, your body can choose to either turn the building blocks of your hormones into your sex hormones, so your testosterone and estrogen, which makes you feel good when they're in balance, or into cortisol, which is your stress hormone. So as you can see, that's why perpetual states of stress over long-term periods of time, when your body prioritizes cortisol over the sex hormones that it should be producing, you physically feel worse, and mm. then it makes the whole thing worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Yeah. But the same way you upward spiral when you do a good thing, when you're under those perpetual states of stress, you will start to make... Uh, uh, you'll snowball downwards and you'll make that's right. worse decisions. That's right. You will, you know, not sleep properly. You will eat that bad thing. You'll you drink will... the alcohol. Yeah. You'll take the drugs. Yeah. You're right. So one of the things that I encourage anyone to do is start... If you've, if you've never faced up to stress before, you just got to start in some Seek way, shape or form. So one of the things that I've had... Um, thrown at me a few times throughout my career is people have called me crazy for doing some of the things I've done. Taking up conversations with superiors that I've done, taking up stands against superiors that I've done. And certain people I've spoken to are like, you're insane, you should never do that. Mm. But the thing is, I did those things. And yeah, look, it was tough in some cases for a period of time. I'm fine. And I came out of every single one of those things fine. Mm. I know in myself that if I would have just let those, if I wouldn't have stood up for myself in those situations and I would have let those people roll over me, I'd feel less of myself, less about myself yeah. as a person. Yeah. And one of the things that I have, I've decided many years ago, and this is obviously, it's as much as possible. It's not, it's not possible to do it every single day with every single decisions, but one of the things I decided many years ago was that I wanted to live my life on my terms as much as I possibly can. Mm. Because if I'm living on my life on my terms, as long as I'm not hurting anyone else, I don't yeah. intend to hurt anyone else. I don't mean to do this like, you know, on my terms, so I'm going to steal your costs. wallet. Yeah. That's right. But if there's a decision to be made and there's either the choice between doing something that is inherently against what I believe in or doing something that might be a little bit more difficult or stressful at the time, but it is true to myself, I'll do the second one, mm. right? So if my, my ability to handle stress, I would say is higher than average. Mm. Our jobs, um, you know, in the sales industry, they're a stressful job. Yeah. Anyone who's worked in a sales job before knows it's a stressful job to be in because you've got targets you've got the fact that the first time you meet someone they you're already below zero in their yeah. opinion of you personally right so you've got targets you've got managers on your back all the time you've got pressure you all this stuff right so even just from that but also from whether it's playing sports or whether it's altercations or whatever i think my ability to handle stress is higher than the average person but i'd start somewhere yeah and i think one thing that is so overlooked for people who are in, you know, bad states of mental health is that it's because you've, you've given too much of your own power to, to the world around you. 
Yeah, which falls into the excuse category. That's right. You're, you're, you're leaving your destiny up to, up to others, mm-hmm. and that's not smart. But it's easy. Yeah. Funny, funny, just brief story. I can remember one of the times I upset a previous boss more than I've possibly ever seen him upset before was when I'd actually made a pretty big mistake. And I'd made a big mistake, and I was getting a public grilling about it, and I put my hand up and I said, mate, you're exactly right. I fucked up and I'm sorry. It won't happen again. Yeah. And he was more angry at that because what he wanted to do is bash me yeah. and make a, make an example of me in front of yeah. everyone else. It would have made him feel good to bash me because this was probably one of the only times he could have actually called me out on making a real mistake. He would have loved it many other times. But this was a time when I actually made a mistake. And what he wanted me to do was make excuses, try to defend myself, start an argument so I would lose my credibility yeah. to the people around me. And I put my hand up and said, I'm sorry, you're right, I fucked up. Yeah. It won't happen again. Yeah. And he hated it. Yeah. Well, okay, so I've got, I've got a good piece of advice then in the corporate world mm. if you want to make that first step. Mm-hmm. And that would be at the next meeting that you have, especially emergency meetings, these are the best ones. Mm. Be the first person to address the elephant in the room. Yeah. How many times have you, do you go to a meeting about the elephant and never speak of the elephant? Mm-hmm. All the time, because it's in everyone's nature to be scared of it. Bring um, it up. It doesn't matter what, what? position you're in. Yeah. It doesn't matter if, if you're a subordinate mm. or if you're, you're calling the shots. Walk in there, put your hand up and say, can we please speak about blah. That's right. Address the elephant room And, and what's, what scares me too is that the climate that we're in at the moment, you turn the TV on, we never address the elephant in the room. No. It, day in, day out, the elephant in the room is not being addressed. So you're, you're right. You need to actually be the one who goes, no, nah, you know what? We're here to resolve something. Let's talk about this thing because yeah. this is the thing that we need to work through. Another, if you're not in the corporate world, mm-hmm. do it at home. Yeah. What's that, what's that niggling issue that you have with your partner mm. that's never been addressed because you're too scared to talk about it because you don't want to get upset? Yeah. Address it. Yeah. Man up to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't like that term. I don't like that gender term mm. because there's lots of women that will yeah, need yeah. to, like front up to your issues. Yeah, front like, up front to up. your problems. Let's, Face your problems. Face, face your fears. Your, yeah, they're not even fears, but you've just got these little niggling things that you just let... No, but they are fears. The niggling things are separate. You're not addressing them because you're scared. Yeah. And and that's the thing. So if you... So there's two examples of how you can put yourself in stress. The third example I would say is go and lift something really heavy. Yeah, yeah. They're like, by all means, do that. But like, just, just just to throw it out there, if you have a disease, since diseases are in the media at the moment, if you get cancer and you get onto it really, really early and you start treatment really early you've got a very, very good chance of kicking mm. the cancer, right? Far better than if you just put a Band-Aid over it, ignore it for 30 years, and then it takes you out yep. real quick down the track. These mental niggles are a cancer on your brain. Yeah, absolutely. And when you, when you not only have one, because you might have a mental niggle with your partner, you might have a mental nigger, niggle with a workmate, a mental niggle with a good friend of yours about something that they've done which... It upset you, but you're too scared to bring it up. When you've got all of these things, it's it's literally poisoning your brain. Yeah, your, your brain is running on overdrive. Your CPU is redlining yeah. just to try and handle mm. 
the bullshit that is going through your head. Yeah, and the thing is too, that when you tell people to address their problems, especially when it's uh, with someone else, not even just an internal problem, when you tell people to address problems, too often they make the mistake that they think that you're telling them to go and have an argument with that person. Yeah. No, we're not, that's not, that's not a, what addressing a problem is. Yeah. That's called being a dickhead and having an argument yeah, for no that's reason. Yeah, trying to fight someone. That's right. Addressing the problems and doing it early stops you having the argument with them down the track. Yeah. Because nine times out of ten, the other person doesn't even know there's a fucking problem. Exactly. So then when you go and attack that person, of course they're going to bite back because they've yeah. had no idea that you've been holding on to this bit of, bit of information that's been upsetting you for so long. And when you're going to have these conversations, and same in the corporate context, in mm-hmm. the relationship context, start the conversation with an open mind mm. to solving it. That's right. And not go in there wanting to be validated. Mm-hmm. Because that's something I want to speak about now. You wanting to win an argument at all costs creates stress that you do not need. Mm-hmm. Like your example that you gave before, one of the most relieving parts that you had was owning up Mm. to a mistake that you had made so you can then learn from it. Yeah. And then everyone moves forward. That's right. Well, that niggle that you have might be something that you've caused. Mm. So you need to be open to that when your partner or one of your co-worker raises that Mm. and you need to take that on board and go, okay, how how are we going to put all this information together so we can all move forward, so we can all thrive together? And if someone brings up something like this with you, have enough respect for that person and go, this was obviously a big deal for them to bring it up to me. It takes guts to be able to do that. Yep. So have respect for that person. Don't, like, it it would serve all of us so well if we dropped the ego first when we received criticism. Because, like, again, society's been sort of trained to do this, especially when you look at, like, social media. You, you, you jump onto a social media post, one person trolls, another person doesn't realise it's a troll and it's a joke, and tries to correct that person, and then someone else jumps in and it's rah, 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 and everyone just wants to argue. Yeah. And people think that's normal now. Yeah. When you go out in the street and you meet up with someone who you disagree with, do you get into an argument straight away? No. No. And trolls get punched in the face. Yeah, because <laughs> that's that's an actual reality that yeah. can happen in the real world, which is why it doesn't happen in the real world. Yeah. But look, one point I want to say on on this, and this is this is the unpopular opinion when it comes to mental health issues. I've, I, I saw a meme the other day. And it was, it seemed harsh, but it's accurate. And I, I took a screenshot of it because it actually stood out to me uh, a little bit. So give me a sec, I'll just bring this up. Should have had this set before, but you know how it is. This is um, a live production. Yeah, can you tell that it's a live show? I'll put in the comments below what you think the new set should look, up, look like. Don't say screen because I can't figure out how to get a screen on there. Yeah. We we did have a screen set up, but the camera doesn't pick it up well yeah. enough. It just looked like a white screen. Yeah. So this was the meme and it's just like a, a chick talking to a dude and she says, tell me the truth. I'm ready to hear it. And he says, it is nobody's responsibility to dance around the triggers to your traumas. 
It is up to you to deal with your past traumas healthily and learn to cope with them in a way they won't affect you later in life. And you shouldn't expect everybody else to behave or speak a certain way around you. Yeah. Take ownership of your issues. The only person who can fix your shit is you. Yeah. And when everyone... Like, we're in a climate now where everything's so polarized and everything is so touchy. And it's fine. Like... I mentioned that saying again last week of like, you know, the road to hell is paved in good intentions. And, and one of the, one of the examples of that is in my opinion, the sort of the, the wokeness that's, that Mm. is part of society. And, and my, my personal problem with wokeness is that to be woke and show that you are supportive of different types of people you have to characterize those people in in different groups. Yeah. It yeah. actually is it's it's, it's a paradox, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because for me personally, I don't want to treat anyone any differently based on race, gender, religious creed, sexual preference, blah 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 blah. Yeah. I want to treat people like people. And you know what? If you're like if you're a fuckwit, Regardless of your of race, gender, religious, yeah. any of that stuff, you're still a fuckwit, yeah. right? Yeah. And I want to be able to call someone a fuckwit yeah. who's been a fuckwit yeah. without being referred to as either racist because of their skin color or yeah. sexist because of their gender or, you know, discriminatory because they're LGBTQ yeah. or whatever. So what it, it, to me, it just doesn't line up in my head where I'm like, can we just treat people like people and stop separating them into yeah. groups so that we can then weaponize their group against someone else. Yes, it's wild. Right? It makes no sense to me. So on that note, and, and part of the reason for that, that meme is that the only person who can deal with your problems is you. And look, the people around you who are very close to you, like your partner, like your family, they should be helping you through your issues. But helping you through means helping you through your issues. And sometimes that is it's difficult, right? Because you actually have to push through them because too many people just want to sit in them for the rest of their lives and they want people to to feel sorry for them. That's right. Now, I'll tell you something else too. Life's not fair, okay? Fact. We all know that. Life's not fair. Wherever you are sitting now, at whatever age you are, literally while you are listening to this podcast, wherever you're at, Those are the cards that you've been dealt. It is up to you to make the choice between, am I going to make the most of these cards I've been dealt? Or am I going to use these cards I've been dealt to justify the failure of my life in 50 years time when I'm on my deathbed? So it's funny you say that because I don't look at it like that. Right. So I think life is extremely fair. And the reason why I think the life is extremely fair, especially now, is there's more... We have access to more information than we've ever had in mm-hmm. the history of time, right? Yet, the people that are saying it's not fair are the ones who are not using that information to help them. They're using it as an excuse. Mm-hmm. They are seeing the Instagram model living the multi-million dollar lifestyle and saying, I'll never have that. Mm-hmm. As opposed to saying, well, the same information that's in my pocket, how did that person get there? What yeah. did they do to get that? That, that process. Okay, so if I broke down, can I? how can I make that fit into my life? Mm-hmm. Life is more fair than it's ever been. And, yeah, okay. But, like, but then but it, where, yeah. where it goes into exactly what you said, 
but it's up to you to do that. That's right. You can let it be your crux, mm. or you can let it be your your. You can let it be your doing or your undoing. Mm. And like I, I put another post up during the week where I, I had put this post up about like just imagine if five years from now you so you made the decision every single day to make excuses to do the things that you know you needed to do, rather than making excuses to get out of doing the things that you know you need to do. And where would you be five years from now? How much happier would you be? How mm. much clo- how much closer to your goals would you be? And then I posted something else up, which was a bit of a clarification because it kind of came across like the same, you know, hustle 24 seven, like we've all got the same 24 hours in a day, like don't be lazy, blah, blah, blah. And I don't subscribe to that at all. I'm a stay at home dad who does a podcast for free that we make no money out of. You know, I'm not hustling 24 seven. I love my couch time, right? So what, what I think people need to do two things number one stop living their lives for the people around them and start living it for yourself yep which means putting your own happiness first yep and don't seek external validation that's right so funny side uh point to that if you if you actually start living for yourself more the people around you will think you're a better person and you'll actually (laughs) enjoy you more as well yeah that's number one and number two prioritize what's important to you yeah because when you go on social media, you see the Instagram girls who are holidaying in Milan. You see the rich dudes who are flying in their private jet. Then you see, you know, the nice family pictures of like, mm. you know, the, the people playing with the kids and blah, blah. Like, you can't do all of it. Yeah. yeah. You just can't. Yeah. So you actually need to figure out, and this is where this, like, like the living your life on your own terms thing comes into it. What's actually important to me? Yeah. What is important to me? And it's some, like something I've struggled with in my entire life is I've never known what I wanted to do career-wise. Yeah. But one thing I have always known I wanted to do was be a parent. Yeah. So I made the decision, okay, that's the thing that's most important to me. So how can I do that to the best of my ability, support my wife at the same time, like, yeah. and, and enjoy this part of my life as much as I possibly can? And I can tell you right now, I would not be enjoying parenthood if I was still leaving the house at six o'clock in the morning and getting home at eight o'clock at night. Yeah. Right? So you got to prioritize. Sit, if, if you don't feel right mentally at the moment, sit down and analyze your life. Lace up first. Oh, yeah. Lace up first. Yeah. Go for a run first. Go for a run. Clear the cobwebs out first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Get yeah. a clear head. And then sit down and ask yourself, where am I? What do I want to be doing? Like, what am I, what are my roadblocks towards that? And out of all these roadblocks, how many of them are real? Well, and, and then address them. Yeah. So my mate that rang me this morning, that's been on his, on his second week of running, mm-hmm. printed out his bank statements, got four colors of, of highlighter and highlight, uh, highlight wow. where his money was going and realized yeah. that one of his friends owed him 800 bucks. <laughs> so there you go. That run just made him 800 <laughs> or recouped 800. Yeah. Yeah. But that actually moves into the next part that I wanted to speak to on mental health, Mm -hmm. which I think is a major one, is regret. Mm. Mm -hmm. Regret, in my opinion, has very little place in your thought process. You Mm. should allocate very, 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 if not, if any at all, Mm. memory in your brain about regret. Mm -hmm. It does not help you. That's right. I don't regret... Anything. And where I, where I see this a lot, I pick up in my network, 
might not be perceived as regret, but when we're doing crypto trading, mm. everyone I speak to, sorry, a lot of my, my the, the people I speak to, will say things like, oh, I lost $2,000 yesterday on mm. the markets. I'm like, did you sell? No. Well, you didn't lose yeah, it. Yeah. It's down. Even the terminology that you are using is regretful terminology. Yeah. And you cannot change that outcome. That's mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. So that's how I... I it, you know, it took me a while to get to that point. But I have zero regret when it comes into the trading thing, mm-hmm. which makes my, uh, my outlook very positive. Mm. But a lot of these people are harboring massive amounts of regret. Mm. I was lucky enough to see a motivational speaker in like the first year of my my career. Mm-hmm. It would have been 2004. And this guy, or might have even been the last year of school. And something that, I can't remember the bloke's name, I can't remember anything else he said, but I remember this one thing. Mm. And he had a pen, like a whiteboard marker, in his hand. And he puts his, he, he puts his hand in the air, and he puts his other hand under it, and he goes, when I let go of this, what's going to happen? And everyone said, it's going to fall. He goes, yeah, so he lets it go, catches mm-hmm. it. Picks up again, okay. When I let go of this pen, what's going to happen? Mm. Right, let go. Okay, it does it like 10 times. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, we get it. Every time you drop that pen, it's going to fall. Mm-hmm. And he goes, okay, let's talk, those, let's categorize those moments mm. as facts of life. Mm-hmm. So a fact of life is something that is happening in your life that you have no control over. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> now, if you have no control over it, put them in the, uh, 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 put them in the facts of life, life category, category yep. and don't allocate any more thought into it. Yeah, yeah. Only focus on the things that you can control. Mm-hmm. Do not focus about external factors. Mm. It is irrelevant, and, and that has changed my life. Mm. Now, was I lucky to hear that at a young age and be able to implement that part? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But am I also like a truth seeker or someone that seeks information to make sure that my life? Mm. is better because mm-hmm. Wayne Bennett said another one I'm not an NRL fan mm-hmm. Wayne Bennett one of his quotes that was in his book that someone told me right because I don't read books <laughs> someone told me this quote is stress is like a rocking chair mm. gives you something to do but it doesn't get you anywhere yeah. and that's I keep I, if I find myself in a stressful situation I yeah. literally just say that quote in my head and I'm like okay and then I'll take a deep breath and then I control the things that I can mm. control yeah it's a lot it's such a it's such an important point. And, and one thing that I think you'll find is uh, kind of ironic when you have conversations with people who do have regrets is oftentimes it's like, I can't believe I wasted five years of my life in that relationship. Or I can't yeah. believe I wasted five years of my life in that job. Or I can't believe that the money I made in that job, I've now squandered, wasted and yeah. squandered and blah, blah, blah. And... What they don't realize is that those, often at times, those people will be quite happy to sit in those negative thoughts for the next five years. Yeah. And you've just wasted the next five years. And then in five years' time, you'll be sitting there going, fuck, I can't believe I wasted the last five years of my life worrying about that thing that I had done before that. And the worst part is, that five years, you've actually gathered heaps of data. Yeah. Yeah. So you know now, you've lived an experience now that you, so you've addressed it. Okay. Mm. For the last five years, I squandered X, Y, Z. Yeah. Okay, so if I don't do that, what's it going to look like? That's All right. right. Now, and now let's do it. So phrase up to your problem. 
address it, mm-hmm. and thrive. And that's where that thing of either winning or learning or comes learning. from. Yeah. You've but you've got to actually learn. You haven't wasted anything. That's right. You only waste it if you continue to do it after yeah. you've recognised that in yourself. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And there is a lot of that because it's easy, mm. okay? Because it's easy. It's mm-hmm. easy to curl up into a ball and lay in your own self-pity. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to help you. No. It's not going to help you. And and be very, very mindful that, you know, um, what's the saying? Uh, misery loves company. Yes. Be very, very mindful that these things are easy to do. And it's even easier when you surround yourself with people who want to do the same thing. And then all of you can just sit around talking about how shit your life is and how it's everyone else's fault. Yeah. That's real easy. It's the easiest thing to do. Yeah. Uh it is really, really hard sometimes to pull yourself out of that, but you have to. Yeah. And if that means not spending time with toxic people anymore, you need to not spend time with them. Mm. You actually need to go, I'm not living the life that I want right now, but I'm going to. Yeah. And I'm going to be making efforts every single day to get towards the life that I want, whatever that life is. And step one is to stop the pity party. Mm. That's step one. Step two is... Lace up. Lace up. Take the first step. Yeah. And just try to be consistent. And look, don't be so hard on yourself. If you miss one workout, that's okay. Yeah. The fact that you care that you missed one workout shows you're on the right path. Yeah. Right? Uh, but you've just... Yeah. I, I guess to, to wrap this part up in a little bow, we... we we have this conversation because we care about you guys and everyone that's around us. And mm. we care about plenty of people that won't ever even bother to listen to this. But one thing that we just want to say is your life is in your control more than you know. Yeah. You actually need to take that control and you need to start directing yourself in the direction that you want to go. Yeah. Because happiness comes from within. Yep. It doesn't come from from other people, it doesn't come from buying stuff. The partner you don't have, yep. the the kids you don't have, the car you don't have, mm-hmm. the the all those things that you do have, it's mm. not there. That's right. It's not there. It's, it comes from in here. Yeah. And yep. it's it's funny too. I, I saw um Tyson Fury, greatest heavyweight oh. boxer in history in my opinion. The perfect One story. Of. Yeah. Uh, Tyson Fury, he's the Gypsy King. He had a massive win again on the weekend. Everyone's talking about it being one of the best trilogies in boxing history. Eh, it's not. He won all three fights, in my opinion. So, yeah. But he has struggled with mental health issues before. And to the point where four years ago, uh, after he'd won one of his world... Sorry, it was six years ago. He, he hit the peak. And the peak was flying into Russia and beating the Russian heavyweight champion on points in his hometown which is the hardest thing in the world to do because boxing is so corrupt. Yeah. So he'd, 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 he'd hit the peak and then he's like, I've got nothing else to put my mind to. So for the next two years, he went on a massive drug and alcohol binge. He ballooned up to about 350 pounds. Mm. And funnily enough, his story is kind of similar to mine. The only reason why he got back into boxing was because Deontay Wilder basically called him a bitch. Didn't he have some moment where he was... Like he was having so many suicidal thoughts. He was in his Ferrari. He, he attempted he was... suicide once. Yeah, he crashed his own car. Yeah. Uh, so fortunately, was unsuccessful. So yeah. he's he's hit the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows. Yeah. And it, it goes to show, like the big the big lesson out of that is, is that is that target, know that that target that you reach 
is not the key to happiness. That's right. It's a step. Mm-hmm. It's a step in the path. But that that the you have to keep making those steps. So steps never. never That's go. right. Life is a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. And crossing one finish line, yeah. uh, well, your life's not over then. Like you've still got to have it fulfilling for the rest of your life. Yeah. And this is one of the things, obviously, that a lot of athletes do struggle with too. Is they might reach the peak in their career, maybe footy players, for example, and they have to retire at thirty. And it's like, well, what do I do next? And they go into depression. Like, this is why being mentally resilient, mentally strong, and actually thinking about things other than the thing that you're 100% invested in right now is so important. Yeah. But so back to the Tyson Fury story. So four years ago, when it was 350 pounds, Deontay Wilder, who was the heavyweight champion of all these different divisions, uh, called him out because he thought he was done. And because Tyson Fury held the lineal championship belt, right? right? So called him out, thinking he's washed up and he's not going to do it, so he'd just vacate this belt. Anyway, that got him back into the gym. And he was just like, you know what? Like, I I can do this. And over a period of, I think it was two years, maybe a little bit shorter, he dropped like 100 pounds. Yep. Uh, came back, had one warm-up fight against a terrible opponent. So everyone was criticizing him for it. And then gets in the ring and has the epic first fight with Deontay Wilder, which ended up going to a draw. Mm. And that was the one where he got knocked. It looked like he'd been knocked out flat and he got up like he's the Undertaker and came back to dominate the rest of the round. And in my opinion, again, as a fight sports fan, he won that fight because he would have won it on points. Like, Deontay Wilder had the bigger moments, but he won more rounds. So, anyway, long story short, Tyson Fury is the perfect example of what you can do and what you should do as a human being. Mm. He, He has all the... All the talent in the world, but the only reason why he got anywhere is because of hard work. Yeah. You can do whatever you want as long as you're willing to put in the hard work. That's number one. Number two, he knows full well when he goes in and trains in the boxing gym, he's not training his body, he's training his mind. Yeah. Because if he doesn't do it for too long, the bad thoughts start coming in. He still gets the bad thoughts every single day. Yeah. Number three, he, he did an interview just recently where he was talking about money. And he goes, mate, I'll tell you, I've got billionaire friends who are the most depressed people that you'll ever see. Yeah. Some of my friends who are billionaires, they'll see $100,000 on the ground and they'll pick it up and they won't even be happy because they'll be looking for the next $100,000. Yeah. Where he goes, whereas for me, and, and like one of the things that he did uh, when he won his championships, he, he, got, he gave a lot of the money away. Yeah. Because he's the gypsy king. He goes, I don't need a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, he just made $55 million from his last fight, so he's going all right. But yeah. uh, he's realized money's not the the be on end all of a happy life yeah being happy is the be all and end all of happy life yeah. and and i think that comes down to finding the important validation yeah and only you can validate that mm. and i will say i know how hard it is to stay true to yourself at the moment because of the rampant peer pressure that is happening in our world mm. it is rampant yep and but it it's is, an excuse it is an excuse uh but i just want to say The only person, at the end of your life, you are never going to be on your hospital bed with every single person who'd followed you on Instagram in the room, judging you for what you've done in your life. Yeah. Right? The only person who's going to judge you is you. Yeah. And you're going to be lying there going, did I have a good time or a shit time? Yeah. And whose fault was that? It was mine. Yeah. Whether it was the good time or the shit time, it was my fault. Yeah. So... Make sure when you get to your deathbed that you look back and you go, 
Yeah. I had a, I had a crack. The I formula is tried and true. Just do it. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap that up and let's move on to some of the reasons why people might be depressed. <laughs> so, all right. First key thing was, so yesterday um, afternoon, the judge in the big Supreme Court case in New South Wales, which was the two cases of Kassam versus Hazard and Henry versus Hazard, which were based on the same thing. Essentially, um, these two people had sued Brad Hazard saying that his the health orders were unconstitutional and that the vaccine mandates were unconstitutional. So the judge handed down his ruling and to paraphrase, uh, essentially right at the beginning of his, of his ruling, he said, uh, it's not for the court to decide on the efficacy of vaccines. Yep. And then due to that fact, you can't say that anything that the that Brad Hazard has done has not been in line with the health orders. Therefore, both challenges failed. Yeah. Now... <laughs> Which they could have just said at the start. <laughs> well, I was going to make that point because I watched a lot of the trial. I didn't catch all of it and catch every minute of it. But a lot of the trial was centered around evidence based on vaccine efficacy. And I do not remember at one point in time the judge going, hey, that's not the question yeah. here. Right. So what... my, my opinion, what I watched one whole one. Right. And I was of the opinion the judge had already made his mind up. This is just before um, they've even summoned the yeah, okay. or subpoenaed the stuff. Mm. Just the vibe I was getting off him is very critical of one side, not so yeah. critical of the other side. I thought, oh, okay. I, so I was not holding my breath for it. And I made the comment a few days ago when they announced that his ruling would be handed down on Friday. I was, because when they... The trial wrapped up last week and they said that the judge had up to three months to hand down his ruling. So then when it was announced on Wednesday night that he was going to hand it down on Friday, I was like, this is either really good for us or really bad. Mm. Because if, if he came to a decision that quickly... It's either really good or really bad. Now, even though these challenges failed, essentially, in my opinion, it looks like this judge has just kicked the can down the road. Yeah. Because... Up the road in this case. Or up the road, yeah. Because, obviously, you you can't challenge a health order unless you've got evidence which suggests that the health order doesn't make sense. And if he says that the court, it's not the court's decision as to whether or not the vaccines work, then... Um, he can't incorporate that in as part of the ruling. That was integral to these cases. Yeah, right? that's what the case was about. That's right. So he's kicked the can down the road. But in saying that, there's not a whole lot that could have been done in the New South Wales Supreme Court anyway in regards to the constitutional matters, like the bodily integrity stuff. That has to be done at the federal level anyway. Did I read somewhere that New South Wales constitution is different to the Victorian one and different to the federal yeah. constitution? yeah. It is. I don't know all the specific differences right. between them. Um, one thing that has become hugely apparent out of all this stuff going on is that Australia has no Bill of Rights. And that is the thing that needs to be addressed, really. Because when it's... Part of his judgment was literally talking about how uh, one of the complaints was a breach of bodily integrity. And he literally said, well, Australia has no Bill of Rights. So, you know... Can't really comment on that. Yeah. So, look, it's a setback, but essentially what it sounds like, and part of his ruling was basically, you asked the wrong question. Yeah. Now, I know that this law firm has filed in the federal court as well. Yep. And that's where it's going to be really important, and they need to have their ducks in a row, because if they stuff that up, obviously they're in, we're in trouble. 
because then you got precedent set and all that sort of thing. But yeah, it's look, it's it's very interesting. It's very very interesting and a little bit concerning. That was a little bit concerning. What about the Victorian stuff? So in Victoria, this is pretty interesting too. So there's two parts to this. Um, I'll I'll first go into the legislation that's handed down on Thursday. I'll do IBAC afterwards because the legislation is pretty um, relevant to to the New South Wales case. So on Thursday, uh, they passed through Parliament new legislation which stated that any MP or Member of Parliament who wants to come into Parliament, which is their job to debate and to vote, most importantly, because it's their most important job as an elected official, needed to put forth their papers. I think it was yesterday was the end date. You need to put forth your your papers saying that you have either received your vaccine, like fully vaccinated, received one dose, or at least had an appointment An immediate booked. booking. Yeah. Yeah. Now, they passed this legislation on Thursday. So, in other words, Labor was the one who put it forth. The Liberal opposition passed it. Like, they voted for it. Oh. And what was terrifying for me is a lot of them were stood up saying, we know we're setting a terrible precedent here, but we're going to do it anyway. Yeah. Right? Now... Why is this concerning? Number one, because the legislation itself makes no sense when it comes to making Parliament a safer place Mm. for multiple reasons. Number one, there is nothing in the legislation about doing rapid antigen testing to test whether or not people even have the virus. Mm. That's number one. Number two, the legislation only extends to members of Parliament, not their staffers. And not anyone else who works on parliamentary house grounds. So it's absolute post factor. It's absolute post factor to make it look like the MPs are going through everything else that every everyone else is. But also on a darker note, it, you are dividing or you are creating a, uh, a a voting room of like-minded people. That's right. You they have successfully removed dissenting voices from the chamber. Yeah. yeah. And that is what's terrifying, because in a democracy, the most important part of the job for these MPs is to vote on behalf of their constituents. Yeah. Now, these MPs, they're not banned from participating in Parliament because they can still zoom in to the meetings. They can have their say in the meetings, but they're still not allowed to vote. Yeah. So what's the point? So what's the point? Yeah. So... What is also concerning is that the state of emergency in Victoria is due to expire in December. And one of the MPs that uh, is being ousted because she refuses to hand over her papers, as she calls it, a few months ago, she quite publicly said she will not be supporting any more extensions to the state of emergency because based on the forecasts of where the vaccination rate was going, by December, when this state of emergency expired, they should have been at the 80%, which on the roadmap was herd immunity and everything should have been fine anyway. So they made, so she said, it's going to make no sense to extend the state of emergency past that point because you've said that when we get to mm. these targets, we'll be, we'll be good to go. So she's been ousted. So there are votes coming up on not only the extension of the state of emergency, but also 
new legislation based on permanent pandemic powers, which will be brought into place, which essentially it'll be similar to state of emergency conditions, but you don't have to vote to extend it. It's just like, if you declare that there's a pandemic, oh, well, now these new laws come into place. Yeah. That is terrifying. Like China. And that's like China. And when you look at what's happening in Victoria and has been over the last couple of months... You'd rather be in China. You'd rather be in China for a start, but they're looking at bringing in legislation which makes that, then their ability to do that permanent. What's wild to me is, if you ask an economist who's been successful and who hasn't been, Victoria would get a fail. Yeah. And yet they keep pushing forward the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make sense. No. It doesn't make sense at all. Victoria just set the record for the highest level of cases in Australia's history in the pandemic in a single day. They are the most locked down state in the world. Their vaccination rates are, I don't know, 68% or something like that, double, I think. is what the double vax was at which is what everyone was being told at the beginning was what you had to do to get the herd immunity, which clearly doesn't exist. And they're setting records for case numbers. And again, who's being blamed for that? I was watching ABC News yesterday oh, yeah, morning. Disgusting. And ABC News had some cucked out looking dude. I don't even know who he is. And he just decided to make some assumptions about the case numbers. Yeah. And his assumptions that he made were that... Perhaps the cases are being caused by small pockets of the community. Um, what was the other terminology you used? Small pockets? Oh, yeah. Small, uh, it, well, small communities. Mm. So, right, right-wing communities. Oh, potentially right-wing, potentially different races. Yeah. Right? But the thing is, he's made these assumptions, right? You can get this data as the ABC national broadcaster. All you need to do is this. All these cases that you've recorded today, are they vaccinated or unvaccinated? Yeah. It's really easy to get this. But he just get he's allowed to go on national television and just make whatever assumption he wants to, which paints the narrative. Yeah. So here's a concern. I spoke about this briefly last week uh, about a, a conversation I had with a friend of mine who lives in Melbourne and has even started saying the lines of, Oh, they never told you that it you wouldn't get COVID. Yeah. It was sure. always to and right, we spoke about how if that was a case, we'd be talking about hospitalizations and deaths and not cases. Yeah. So I actually looked up because the initial Pfizer data is still online. Right. Right? So I, I looked up what the um, results of the initial trials were. Oh yes, this is interesting. This, <laughs> this is very interesting. And and this is obviously what um, the, so the publication of the results, which granted their approval. Yeah. Okay. And made it to the Doherty report. Yeah. And the Doherty report also gets an F for failure because it's been an absolute failure. Yeah. It's a, it's a PF for failure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that this was a was, Pfizer joke. There was yeah. a fire entendre. Yeah. So that, that's what... That was um, a double dose of entendre. Yeah. That was what last week's show title, which I reckon no one got, was, yeah. was we got FX. It was a uh, in-between as reference. Yeah. Uh, but with Pfizer spelling. Yeah. It didn't read right. I don't yeah, know. Maybe capitalise one of them and not the others. I don't it know. It was very weak. Um, yeah. A few people have reached out to me, said they got the joke, but they didn't explain the joke. So 
I appreciate you for trying to make me feel better. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, so this was the publication of results from landmark phase three trial of BNT162B2 COVID-19 vaccine candidate in the New England Journal of Medicine. So this was from the Thursday, December 10, uh, 2020 at 10.21 mm-hmm. a.m. And I'm just going to read the first paragraph because that's the headline. Yep. Data from 43,448 participants, half of whom received BNT... That's an extremely unlucky number in China. 43,448? Too many falls. Uh, Eight's good, but falls Interesting point. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting point. At least it ends in an eight. Yeah. Uh, Received BNT162B2, which is Pfizer-BioNTech. Which is the banana B2. Yeah. And half of whom received placebo showed that the vaccine candidate was well tolerated and demonstrated 95% efficacy in preventing COVID-19 in those without prior infection seven days or more after the second dose. Now, I'm just going to repeat that for effect because we did break it up a little bit. I'm going to repeat it. Data from 43,448 participants, half of whom received the vaccine and half of whom received placebo showed that the vaccine candidate was well-tolerated and demonstrated 95% efficacy in preventing COVID-19 in those without prior infection seven days or more after the second dose. Now, I don't have to look up a dictionary to know that the meaning of prevention doesn't mean lessens your symptoms. Yeah. Now, the friend of mine getting back to it, who is adamant that they never said that they never said that. So she's, she's convinced herself. Yeah. And not only convinced herself, she has been convinced. She's been convinced by mega, mega, mega amounts of money and lobbying. That's right. And marketing. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, getting back to this, this Victorian MP thing, uh, keep a close eye on this situation because it's, it is a terrifying indictment on our democracy that a, a particular ideology can decide you've dissented against my ideology. I'm going to change the rules. We're going to vote on it. So then your votes won't count towards new legislation. We're going to be bringing in, which further increases the powers that Victoria has. That's terrifying. Anyway, speaking of why corruption in Victoria can be a bad thing. (laughs) There's no corruption in Victoria, is it? Well, this is where it gets interesting. So the IBAC hearing started this week on Monday. And IBAC is the independent broad-based committee against corruption. So it's like ICAC, but, but similar but different for Victoria. And on day one, you know, on Monday, uh, the first Labor MP resigned. Now, what they've been exposing in the first week primarily is a thing called branch stacking. And branch stacking is not technically illegal, but it's frowned upon, it's unethical, and it's against the guidelines of both the Labor and Liberal parties. Yeah, can you, can you explain what branch stacking is? Okay, what branch stacking is, is high-ranking Labor Party members recruiting people to the Labor Party in certain jurisdictions who may or may not have ever even wanted to go and join the Labor Party and essentially stacking those branches with people, with members, who will then vote on pre-selections. So, and, and the high-ranking members were paying for their membership fees, so there's no cost to you. You just need to vote for the guy that we want you to vote for. 
So that way you're ensuring that the guy that you want to get the gig wins the pre-selection right. vote. Okay? So on day one, literally <laughs> at lunchtime, <laughs> he didn't even make it the whole day, we had the first resignation. <laughs> well, see ya. <laughs> based on branch stacking, which was Luke Donellan is his name. Yeah. Uh, so that was on day one. Now, day no, no, no. That was by lunchtime. That was by lunchtime. That was, day one. that was day half. Yeah. Now, the second person... Do you reckon he had his lunch on, on company time first and then resigned? He would have swiped the company credit card first <laughs> yeah, had yeah, for yeah, his yeah. lunch and then resigned. Did you buy stamps, do you think? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that, I, haven't, I haven't even gone into that. Yeah. The second MP that designed was Anthony Byrne. Now... That was on Wednesday. So no resignations on Tuesday. They managed to go 24 hours without a resignation. Get out of here. And and I like funnily enough I didn't even grab the names either, but there are three other Labor MPs that actually resigned last year knowing that these hearings were coming. Yep. So Anthony Byrne resigned on Wednesday because he admitted to branch stacking as well. And I encourage you to just like you can actually look up all the stuff. There's a, a an Instagram page called Voice for Victoria. Yes, yeah, great. Um, which is great. They are live um, tweeting the tweeting a lot of the the um, things that are being spoken about. Now, again, because I like to drill into these things a little bit deeper and make some assumptions. Uh, I found it very, very interesting the positions that these two gentlemen held before resigning. And Luke Donnellan is, or was, the aged care minister. Right, in Victoria. In Victoria. Yeah. Now, it, many of you may remember that the vast majority of people who died last year from the pandemic died in aged care homes in Victoria. Mm. Okay? Now, if you were running the policies around those places, perhaps some responsibility would lay with you yep. for those. Anthony Byrne, who resigned on Wednesday, was the deputy chair of the Parliamentary Joint Committee on Intelligence and Security. Right. So, what am I... What am I Insinuating. Insinuating here. Now, I'm not insinuating anything because I'm just an idiot. But I'm but just... But if you would have seen uh, the MP for Banana Trade with... Uzbekistan, yeah, it wouldn't have pricked your no. It, it wouldn't have raised a couple of red flags. And one of the things that we've spoken about many times over the last few weeks is that whole concept of admitting to a little lie to cover up a bigger one. In this case, admitting to some BS or branch stacking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but what is instead of murdering? <laughs> yeah, well, not murdering, murdering, but potentially putting policies in place that were harmful to aged care people. Yeah. And obviously someone who's sitting on an intelligence and security committee probably knows a lot more of the back-end um, reasonings behind maybe some of the heavy-handed controls that have been happening in Victoria over the last 12 months. Yeah. 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 Might, yeah. might know some stuff about that. Now, why is this perfect for this? Branch stacking's not illegal. Yeah. So, in other words, these two gentlemen... Masterstroke. Masterstroke. Master. If they planned this... Yeah, well done. Mad props. Well done. So, these two gentlemen have found a way to stand down from their positions. Now, they resign to the... Well, I, I know that Luke Donnellan is resigning to the backbench. So, he'll just sit in the backbench for three years and then be given a gig back again. 
But <laughs> Barnaby Joyce. Yeah. Barnaby Joyce who had sex with one of his one of his workers. Got her pregnant. Got her pregnant. Got shunned by society for not that long. Then yeah. came back Deputy Prime Minister. Yeah, was acting PM many times already. Yeah. This year. Yeah. Um Bad so, Boy Summer's back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's Bad Boy Summer. It's yeah. not Hot Boy Summer, I'll tell you that much. But so yeah, these two guys who have integral background knowledge to the happenings in Victoria throughout this pandemic over the last the two real years. happenings the stuff that we'll never see the we'll stuff that we'll know. never see and have, especially now we'll never know yeah have found a way to resign by admitting to something that's not even illegal wow well played fellas yeah well, well played played now uh, with IBAC the next public hearing is on Monday so it'll be on when you guys are listening to this probably and uh, it looks like there's like going to be five weeks of these things. So last week was just the first of five potential weeks of evidence to be heard. Now, something else that's interesting that's come out of this is uh, a lot of people have, like a lot of journos have actually actively been asking Dan Andrews some questions at oh, yeah. press conferences, <laughs> which he just avoids because he is God and he doesn't have to answer questions he doesn't want to answer. I saw a very interesting opinion piece on on one of the news uh, online news sources talking about how calls for Daniel Andrews to have to front this inquiry make no sense because clearly if he's not been named as um, someone to come forth uh, to this inquiry so far, it's because that they have found no evidence of his involvement mm. in these things. And also I've seen another article which it, it has been... Like not not I wouldn't say successful, but is trying to paint it that these branch stacking things are like removed from Daniel Andrews' government when it is his government that's doing yeah. it. Yeah. Um. What about the? What did you make of the? Sorry, going back to the New South Wales, the mm. transcript that went around, and how the fact checkers have checked the transcript. Um, yeah, so what Alex is referring to, and this is one of the things that we didn't really want to mention last week until the ruling was handed down. So there was a, a transcript that got, um, passed around where the, uh, the counsel for the plaintiffs was questioning the expert medical witness, or not witness, well, I guess witness, um, for the government, for the government, which is Professor Christine McCartney, I think is her name. And they asked three main questions. And the first question was, is it true that a double vaccinated person is 13 times more likely to get the Delta variant of COVID? And she said, yes. The second question was, uh, is it true that the COVID vaccines are dangerous for pregnant women and their unborn children? She said, yes. And the third question was, is it true that these vaccinations have not been properly, adequately tested for safety and efficacy? And she said yes. Now, this got shared around social media a fair bit, and this was from a transcript of the actual court proceedings mm-hmm. that happened. And it was actually you that brought up the fact-checking, because I didn't see the fact-checking... Uh, it came after. So it went around, right. it did its rounds... And then it came labelled with a fact check. Yeah. Fact check. Files. So what did the fact check say? Well, it says it's not true. Mm. Yeah. So. But it's, no, it says, it's, it, I pause for effect. 
it says it's not true because it doesn't bring in context. Mm. Is the transcript script real? Yes, it is. Mm. But she didn't really mean it like the way that she said it. Yeah. That's effectively what the what, yeah. what the fact check thing said. Yeah. And and yeah. can we I just want to put it out there. Fact check is 100% bullshit. Yeah. Fact check the the fact check agencies if, are funded by Facebook. Major, like the majority of funding comes from Facebook when you think follow them up. Back to the first time you saw lab leak theory go mm-hmm. through on Facebook with a fact check false. Yeah. Hello, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you see fact check there, that means this is real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, some memes and stuff, it'll say that, and it's really dumb because a meme is supposed to be a satirical yeah. viewpoint of the world. So none of them are really based in fact. Mm-hmm. Yet anything that's attached to uh, the Rona yeah. has have, have these flags. I've seen one not attached to the Rona, which I can tell you about. Yeah, okay, interesting. But you just need to understand that if you see that fact check thing, go read it. Yeah. Go read what the uh, uh, what it's the, probably got some good info in there. It has nothing in it. Mm. It has nothing. It just says lacks context or something like that. Or it might yeah. say, uh, it, it might say, oh, the one I love is it just keeps referring to the safety. So you could show the data, mm. the published data from a government website, yeah. and I'll say fact check false. Yeah. They have to say missing context. Missing context, or it'll say no. Here's here's a link to the safety and effic- efficacy, yeah. which doesn't show you any data. Yeah. It just has someone reporting on. Yeah, no, it's it's safe. Mm. That's I, crazy. That is crazy. Um, this is crazy too. So, I saw a picture, and it was designed to be metaphorical, mm. right? And the picture was of red ants and black ants in a jar, mm-hmm. and the wording underneath the picture said. If you put red ants and black ants in a jar, they won't start attacking each other. They'll just keep going about yep. their daily lives. But then if someone shakes the jar, they'll automatically start attacking each other, thinking that it was the other one, like the right. other race that, that caused that to happen. So when you find yourself attacking the other colored ant, stop and think who shook the jar. Uh, that was like I like the, that. I right? like that that was the metaphor. Yeah, it's a great metaphor. Yeah. That is added to my life. Yeah. It was fact checked as false. And I read the fact check article. <laughs> what did it say? The fact check article Ants aren't real. No, the fact check article said they spoke to two scientists yeah. who told them that there are many species of species of red ants and black ants and it is not shown that if you put any of these species in a jar together that they won't just start attacking each other straight away. So like fact check is 100% bullshit fact checking a metaphor yeah so i want to post shit like online like you know if if uh, a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there to hear it doesn't make a sound fact check false yeah. <laughs> like it's it is bananas and it is fucking concerning because if you go back on this podcast 12 months ago when we were speaking out about the censorship of donald trump because Donald Trump... Everyone's forgotten still that Donald Trump's not allowed on any social media platform. Yeah. If you go back to then, we were talking about the reason why that was so terrifying back then was because if you can censor the sitting president of the United States of America... Mm. How powerful are you? How powerful are you? Yeah. And we said that that sets a really dangerous precedent and no one should be censored because we have firm believers that good ideas will always defeat bad ideas as long as you're allowed to speak about them in, a, in an open, honest public forum. 
that censorship back then, it is st- like snowballed to a horrendous state where we are literally in a world now where we fact check metaphors, where we uh, ban we, we fact-check data, we ban scientists who have a dissenting point of view, and we pay Instagram influencers with no medical background to tell their followers to get vaccinated. Yeah. That's the world we... you got to do yourself a favour and follow Edward Snowden on Twitter. Yeah. Because he's been crying out a lot about this kind of stuff, and that's what sort of uh, hinted me onto it a little bit. He's like, some of the fact-check... Because there's multiple fact-check organisations, because there's money to be made yeah. in it now. Mm-hmm. They're owned by, obviously, uh, Facebook owns... A lot of them aren't owned by, but get by. the majority of their funding from the Zuckerberg, whatever... Chan. Chan they're the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative. Also, uh, there's the there's ones that are owned by the media companies mm-hmm. now. Yep. Saw something this morning. Yeah, Australian Associated Press owns one of the fact check. Yeah, they're, now, these they're are, the ones feeding you the bullshit. These, so what do you think they're going to say? There's the Associated Press who said that Joe Rogan took horse dewormer. Yeah. Right? So They said uh, the real Rickshan uh, um, over... Uh, what do you say? Overrepresented the... Oh, oh yeah. Um, uh, mis- mis- misrepresented seven hours of straight footage. Yeah. Um, and all, all we're saying this for is for this... What's it going to take for you guys to start to distrust the media? Yeah. <laughs> What's it going to take? How many lies do you need to receive before you start maybe questioning what they say when they say it rather than five years afterwards when it's too late? Yeah. That's all we're asking. We like, you've been lied to that many times and we've been through it a million times, but just to rehash some recent examples, weapons of mass destruction as justification to go to war. That was a lie. Yeah. Pretty big fucking deal. Yeah. Um, the, uh, well, the bailout of low, uh, like um, financial crisis. Yeah, world financial crisis. The banks got bailed out. Oh, and just so you guys are aware, it was only a few years ago in this country where they put legislation through which said that our banks can, in fact, suck your um, your deposits out in the case of a global uh, yeah. financial catastrophe. Yeah. So, in other words, so they you, have more access to your money. If you, you got money in the bank. And there's a global financial crisis happening again. The bank has the power now because I think it was 2017 they passed legislation which stated that these banks are allowed to suck your deposits off you to make sure they don't go under. They stay liquid, yeah. Right? Crypto won't do that. But yeah. So remember back to that global financial crisis when all the retirees lost all their retirement savings and then Australia's taxpayer dollars bailed out the banks yeah. because they were too big to fail. So yeah, uh, how did that get reported to you? Russiagate in in the uh, US 2016 presidential election. Mm. Russiagate has been proven to have been a hoax. How many of you people still think that Donald Trump was tied to Russia and that was the only reason why he won the 2016 election? Mm. Because of Russian bots and misinformation farms that were coming out of Russia. The Hunter Biden story last year. Maybe people might might have wanted to know about the disgusting things that the <laughs> current president of the United States' son was up to, had been doing. Maybe they wanted to know about the fact that a drug addict with no experience in energy just happened to get a job on the Ukraine Energy Board when Joe Biden was the minister for the affairs to the Ukraine. Maybe. But no, that stuff all got quashed. So... What we're asking is this, how many more times do you want to be lied to before you'll actually start questioning and the information? Do you, want to have, do you want to know how you know it's a lie? 
is when from multiple different sources, the exact same sentence is being mm. said. So the same party lines yeah. have been handed out. Here's your call cards, guys. This is yeah. what you're saying today. Word for word. Mm. And you'll notice now in the news, they don't even push for safety and, and like with vaccines. All no. they're doing is, is just saying, we just got to get to that number. we just got to get to that number. That's right. The, what that number is, we don't know because it... it, um, it, it it changes. Here's the other thing that I've noticed too, which you guys, if you put your um, your your eyes on and your ears on, you switch them on, what you'll realise is this. The closer that our country and the different states get to these vaccination thresholds, the more fear we're being fed about yeah. the inability of the hospital system to cope when we open up. Yeah. Uh, what happened to herd immunity? Remember back in the day when Fauci was saying... 60%. It was like 65% and then it became 75% and then maybe 80%. And we were talking about it over here. We were saying if we got to like 70%, you know, maybe that's around the number that you'll get herd immunity. Herd immunity was all all we kept hearing about. Herd immunity. Got to get to herd immunity. If you get vaccinated, you're going to help us towards herd immunity. What happened to herd immunity? Hang on. You can still get the virus. What about... um, what, What came up in the news this week? that's been announced that we announced a week prior oh which bit are you referring to testing <laughs> oh yeah we only an- said it last week didn't we yeah rapid antigen testing first of november first of november so tga has approved the usage of rapid antigen testing kits now interesting point on this too is it appears that these tests will not be free anymore you'll actually have to go to the pharmacy and buy them yourself mm. so in other words it's another it's another pressure and another tax on unvaccinated people trying to go to work because now they're probably going to have to go and pay for their own rapid antigen tests. And what's it going to do to the case numbers? Well, the case numbers will drop because the Dramatic. testing numbers will drop. And what will they uh, associate that to? The, the vaccination rollout. <laughs> now, hey, here's a, here's, a little, beautiful. here's a little fun bit of information. So we obviously, we always talk about testing because obviously, you know, you've got to get your testing up. So anyone who's in Queensland, you'll remember this. There'll be a press conference in the morning and Dr. Jeanette Young, who also changes roles on the 1st of November, funnily enough, and we get a new uh, chief health officer in Queensland. Oh, who is going to show us the new pathway out? It's yeah, possibly. Yeah, might, yeah. might have something to do with rapid antigen testing and perhaps molnupiravir. But yeah. anyway, um, so you'll remember this. Uh, this. This sort of press conference might sound familiar to you. So we have found one new case of community transmission uh, so there are a list of exposure sites. If you had been to the Starbucks at Olmo between the hours of 7 a.m. and 10 a.m. last Tuesday, then please, we just need you to go and get tested. Just go and get tested, right? Because you, know, you are considered a, a close contact, so you need to go and get tested. Remember hearing that stuff over and over and over and over and over and over again? And then you might remember, if you've been listening to this podcast in particular, that in the lead up to the NRL Grand Final, there were some cases that mm. were in Queensland, and there was talk before the game of potentially having to move the game to North Queensland, but they didn't end up doing that. We managed to have the game, 42,000 people in Suncorp yep. Stadium. Did they ask anyone who went to the game to go and get tested afterwards just to make sure? No, that's crazy. Why would you do that? That's going to make a massive spike in numbers. So it's funny how if you don't want any cases, if you just don't do any testing, you don't get any cases. Hey. So, yeah. 
November one, things are going to change probably. Yeah. And and we will start seeing some of that stuff. No, I think it's going to go two ways though because as they get more, because they're getting more flagrant now with the fear tactics used. Like, we're coming to get you. That's what Palaszczuk was saying. We're oh, yeah, she to said, get you. She said the virus will hunt down the unvaccinated. Yeah. Okay. And 0.3% okay. of them will die. I'll let someone write a spit in my mouth, but, but anyway. Yeah. Um, but maybe a sign of the shifting of the guard has been this news article, which was reported in the Daily Telegraph yeah. this week. Yeah. I went to follow her on Twitter, but everything's behind a paywall, so there's no point. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so... Uh, this article is titled Pfizer's Massive Upfront Demand. And I'm, just, I'm going to read it to you because it's very, very interesting. Okay? So this is by an exclusive by Sue Dunleavy. So drug giant Pfizer demanded a huge secret upfront payment from Australia for its experimental COVID vaccine. And if the company's jab failed to get regulatory approval or was never manufactured, the Australian taxpayer would have forfeited the right to recover half of the estimated $240 million down payment. (laughs) So just let that sink in. Before the drug was even approved, Australia had to do a deal to pay $240 million up front and if they never manufactured one vial of the drug, we still would have forfeited $120 million. The financial demand laid bare in bombshell health department documents was so sensitive, the federal government went to extraordinary lengths to hide it from the public. The original documents, released under a Freedom of Information request in August, show the company's proposed contract clause for the 10 million doses it offered to deliver Australia in 2021. But almost eight weeks on, not a trace of evidence of the pharma giant's outrageous demand can be found on the department's website. It goes into some stuff about... No, like, they wouldn't say that. I wouldn't put that on my website either. Like, I don't put when my customers leave a deposit. No, no, you don't post that stuff online. But also, it's only your customer that's paying for the car. It's not taxpayer money. But that's... So, what... There's two things about this which are staggering to me. Number one... We can't negotiate. <laughs> well, we yeah, negotiate. We should, well you, one of the things that goes on to talk about a little bit is perhaps this is one of the reasons why the federal government took longer to do a deal. So remember there was a lot of criticism yeah. about... right? K-Rod so, stuck his nose and said that he did it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So maybe K-Rod's like, yeah, we'll just give you all the money. Yeah, 50%? Yeah. Uh, oh, that'll do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... So the fact that those were the terms before this thing was even launched is a pretty big deal. It also shows perhaps some of the reason why there has been such a push to justify the usage of these 10 million vials that we've ordered because if you don't use them and then this comes out, it looks pretty bad if you've just thrown $240 million down the toilet. But one thing that is heartening for me is the fact that the Daily Telegraph actually published this story. Yeah, that's wild. This seems, there seems to be a bit of a shift. Yeah. And I think you'll find that the media will shift before the politicians do, but just beforehand. Yeah. Because the media still needs to try to pretend that they report the news and they'll want to keep the, the viewers and the yeah. readers on side. So the fact that that sort of stuff's starting to be reported now sort of allays my fears a little bit and maybe shows me a bit of a shift that's coming down the pipe. What other significant vaccine thing happens on the 1st of December? Uh, so it's, uh, the unvaccinated freedom party in New South Wales on the 1st of December. Yeah. What else? 
Um, which actually, that's an interesting thing about the New South Wales case that we sort of brushed over. What? So just, just to briefly go back to the New South Wales Brad Hazard case, one of the things I found extremely interesting about the defence of Brad Hazard is that they were claiming that there is no mandate for the vaccine. Oh, yeah, I love this. Now, this is at state level too. So you, you've had ScoMo the entire time tweeting at people going, there's no mandatory, there's no mandatory vaccination policy yeah. in Australia. We do not force anybody to get vaccinations in this country. Is that a good scale? That's pretty good. That's pretty yeah. good. The, 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 the cadence was good. It's just the, the tone you need. Yeah, to. I'll work on the tone. Yeah. Um, but so you've had ScoMo pretending that there's no vaccine mandate the entire time because they know they can't lawfully mandate it. However, he has let the states attempt to bully people into mandating it, except for the fact that the New South Wales government's lawyers in their own trial were stating that there is no mandate. What they were saying was that if you went and got vaccinated, you were able to take advantage of a lessening of the restrictions in that period of 15th of October to the 1st of December. Right. Which leads me to believe that anyone who doesn't want to be vaccinated for whatever reason in New South Wales, if they hold the line, even if their job is saying they have to get vaccinated until the 1st of December, they can just go back to work. That's what I saw. That's yeah. that's That's... Me reading between the lines. That's yeah. What I've got. So that's something to yeah. keep an eye on as well. What else? There's something else on the 1st of December. So first... I think it's the 1st of December. AZ. Ah, yes. Kaput. We yes. are no longer producing AstraZeneca vaccine. Yeah. How do you guys feel that got it? That got AZ? Think about the hype. Think about that was the start. It's mm. so... Like, we're doing this. Blah, blah, blah. They've stopped making it. Yeah. They've stopped making it. And to all you pro-vaxxers... Which is fine. Mm-hmm. What about Covax? What about the poor countries that are, we're supposed to give all these vaccines to? Well, we've been giving a lot of the poor countries our AstraZeneca that we're not using. Yeah, the because it's ones, too dangerous. The ones that have been sitting not even out of date. It's because it's been deemed as too dangerous in our society to use, so we just give it to poor countries instead. Dude, I heard these pundits on TV blame the Australian people for the failure that AstraZeneca has become. Yeah. Bl- oh, like you guys just all jumped on it. Like you just jumped on any negative press that you got. You're the fucking press. Yeah. You're the press. Yeah, that's right. You. you I agree. People jumped on it because yeah. you told us to. And and funnily enough, too, what like what is interesting when you look at the AstraZeneca story, you can um, put that alongside the Moderna story that we're experiencing now. So early on in vac- in AstraZeneca's rollout, we were hardcore. We were going to vaccinate every person in this country with AstraZeneca because we had done a deal to produce it here mm. locally, right? It was going to be a financial boon for our country. It's going to be our next great export because we don't export anything else apart from our own natural resources, which, hey, none of the taxpayers get a cent of. Yeah. So, oh, sorry. No, that's facetious. We do get, um, I think we got paid a billion dollars in royalties last year out of the $66 billion that were made. So... Chump change. 166. Yeah, I, think, I think we used um, that in uh, a week's worth of testing. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> so, so at the beginning of the rollout, we were going to vaccinate every single person in this country with AstraZeneca. And then the only reason why we even started looking at age groups of who to give AstraZeneca to was because of some of the Scandinavian countries yeah. that were starting to report of the blood clot issues. Yeah. And for weeks, we had Greg Hunt, 
The health, federal health minister rocking up on TV going, not nah, safe and effective and it's great and it's good and it's no dramas. And then in, we're still getting these little small reports of a potential signal coming out of mm. these countries. And he was like, nah, it's all good. And then a week later, it wasn't all good. And that was when they'd made the decision to only give it to over 60s, I think was yep. the first bracket. And then... They came the out. Stock started growing. Yeah, They're and like, then we're going to get some of this shit out of here. That's right. So, th- in other words, you guys all remember it the went story. 60, 50, 60, 50, 40. Um, Jeanette. Then they tried to say everyone can have it. Jeanette Young was like, "I don't want a young person getting it who would not have any negative effects from COVID." Uh, and then they they blamed her for fear mongering. Yeah. And then next thing you know, it's back up to I think it's over sixties only can get AstraZeneca. Yeah, and now it's not available. Yeah. As of the 1st of December. Well, as of the 1st of December... I think they're, um, doing, two know... for, they're doing two for ones down the road, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is a two for, isn't it? Um, yeah, they will no longer be uh, manufacturing AstraZeneca and that deal with CSL to produce it will no longer be uh, renewed. Yeah, and yet you've got all these poor countries that we're supposed to be supplying it to as part of the COVAX scheme going, uh, what Yeah, we're at, we're at vaccinations. Now, the other interesting part, like I was saying, with Moderna, what are we seeing now? Sweden and Denmark have just stopped giving Moderna to anyone under the age of 30 yeah. because of an increased risk of uh, myocarditis and so heart inflammation issues. Yeah. Now, we're not talking about that <laughs> over here. We're literally talking about, at the moment, extending the, um, uh, the, the rollout. To, like, we give Moderna to young people. Yeah. We're just like, oh, it's mRNA just like Pfizer. The doses are different. Yeah. Moderna's it's double. Ma- no, it's more than double. Uh, Moderna's dose is 200 milligrams. Pfizer's is 60. And early on, Pfizer's was 200 milligrams. And they lowered the dose. Why'd they lower the dose? Maybe because they're seeing some of these other signals coming through. Now, just to, to, to really put it in perspective for you again, this is from the Queensland government website. Fact check false. I have COVID-19, now what? This is the first paragraph. Everyone who gets COVID-19 will experience it a little differently. Our bodies will respond to the virus in a different way. For most Queenslanders, the virus will cause only a mild illness with symptoms such as fever, cough, sore throat, runny nose, fatigue, shortness of breath, loss of taste, and loss of smell. That sounds like the perfect justification for handing over every individual right we've got. It's Queensland government's own website. Yeah. And yet our Queensland government makes up a new fucking excuse every week to not open the borders. And they posted something... And I got Tasha screenshots on hers. It is the second line. It is your choice to yeah. get a vaccine. And mm. some of the some of the mantra has changed because she said she wants everyone. She said this early on. Then mm. she stopped. Now she's back mm-hmm. saying, "I want every Queenslander to get the choice of getting or have the option." Oh no, that was that. No, it was not to get the choice. It was to be offered a vaccine. Offered. And that was the video I sent you guys in the group chat the other day. So there was a press conference where she was wearing a hard hat, good on you, about building something, which I'll make a point on that too. Uh, and she was saying, we need to get to a point where every Queenslander has been offered a COVID vaccine. And a journalist said, how do you gauge that? And she goes, excuse me? And she goes, again, how do you gauge that? Yeah, As in whether or not have that, that they have been offered and she goes, we'll talk about that later. The perfect response would have been, we don't look at the data anyway, so who gives a fuck? Yeah. Now, <laughs> speak- let's be real. We, take, we put more uh, onus and efficacy on 
on a, a radio journalist pundit's oh, opinion yeah. on the, uh, someone telling them about a study that was done. Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what she should have said. Yeah. Now, that's true. Now, the building thing, it did sort of spark my memory as well, too, just to keep ranting about how stupid we are. Uh, we keep hearing about how all the state's hospital systems aren't going to be able to cope when we open up the country to international travellers, mm. right? Or even interstate. They're not going to be able to cope. They're not going to handle it. They're, they're just, you know, we just don't have the capacity. We're not going to be able to cope. Now, show me a, a state government which is currently building a new hospital. <laughs> no, right? Now, we're not. We're not building a new hospital. Now, if, it, if we're talking about Queensland, because we live in Queensland, right? Yeah. Queensland, we're very, very concerned. We've had ramping issues, like can't get beds. We can't get people in because of the ramping. And if we open the borders, the uh, hospitals are going to be overwhelmed. So we're not building a hospital. However, we are building a regional quarantine facility, which won't be available until middle of 2022, even though we are just this week starting to trial home quarantine. Now... That you can argue that that regional quarantine facility will be for international travellers because obviously they're not going to have a home over here that they're going to be able to quarantine in for two weeks. How many fucking international travellers do you think we're getting? What? How many people are going to sign up going, oh yeah, I'd love to go and visit Australia. I've seen these beautiful tourism videos on the internet where you go there, they lock you in a... In a camp for two weeks and then when they let you out if you're on the street the police shoot rubber bullets at you that sounds fantastic where's christmas island uh whose coast is that off like just that's use queensland that. coast isn't it i thought so just use that it's still an internment camp like, no because just... it's probably still full oh true <laughs> <laughs> those boat people go oh, man fuck the mainland i'm staying here yeah no the boat people <laughs> like sucks. has anyone got a ridiculously dangerous raft that I can jump on yeah, yeah. go back overseas you know again. I'll go home. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. It's it's full on. So and anyway. We'll, we'll leave it at that. We're gonna leave it on that, but we're gonna leave you on this. Obviously, mental health issues Get are your real. Shit together. Get your shit together. Lace Take up. control of your own life. Stop letting other people dictate your life to you. Lace up. Face your fears. Face your fears. Thrive. Thrive. Let's go. See you next RDA.